Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Well, Larry, let's talk about a gentleman you've uh, told me about just briefly. I know nothing more than the name, Greg Spears. Tell me about Greg. Well, Greg used to He's First of all, Greg is a person of extremely high intelligence. He probably has an IQ of 150 or 60. Uh, he's an interesting character because uh, behind the easygoing, friendly manner that he has, if you look on his, uh, on his uh, YouTube, not YouTube, uh, Facebook page, uh, he has all these sort of angry references to the present-day culture. And he's right about a lot of them, of course. And he just doesn't want to kowtow to present-day culture. For example, he was within an ace of getting an advanced degree in uh, computer science as uh, related to biology a couple of years ago at BU, and just didn't finish because uh, he didn't uh, particularly want to uh, get into an unpaid internship with a company that he thought would be taking advantage of his talents for an extended period in order to get that uh, degree, if I understand it correctly. Well, anyway, I went into Best Buy one day and I wanted to buy something, and Greg was very helpful. Turned out he lived in the next house to my office. Uh, I said, I don't really know very much about the Internet. Maybe you can teach me something, Greg. And he did. He got me from stupidity to mild <laughs> dumbness about, and uh, so that I was able to do something, but not a lot, but enough to get by. So he was very helpful to me in that regard. Uh, and then he helped me with uh, my book, American Jews and America's Game, uh, because he is so smart and he would – uh, you know, he, his fingers would fly over the keyboard, and he segregated things and put them in order and did lots of stuff that I couldn't do if I, you know, and if I could do it, it would take me 10 times longer than he could do it. Well, in the process, we became very friendly because uh, I just thought he was a nice guy. We would take walks together, do this, this, that, and the other thing. And um, then he met Lois, and uh, he liked Lois. Lois liked him. And later he uh, met a uh, young woman who's on her way to being a, uh, I think, an emergency room doctor. She's a very, very fine woman, and she's going to make a wonderful doctor. I think now she's in a residency. Carrie, her name is, Carolyn, and uh, Shepker, and uh, they get along beautifully, uh, and um, they're going to be coming up here uh, to uh, New Hampshire. Um, what's the city right up there over the border? Um, Salem, Concord, uh, Nashua. You know, right on the ocean. Um, Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth. She's going to be at a hospital there. Mm-hmm. And um, so they'll be closer to us. They they really, they love the two of us and we love them. And uh, so Greg is, uh, as I say, he's a very interesting guy because he just doesn't, he doesn't want to kowtow to the society. He doesn't want to do things that other people want him to do. He's very individual. And, you know, it's, you know as well as I do, Jordan, that those people who are individualistic are interesting. And uh, and he's always following up on me. I haven't heard from you for three weeks. Are you okay? Don't fall. You know, I mean, I mean so, look, I'm 90, and he's 
I met him when he was 23, and now he's like 36 or 7. I mean, he's – so I think that um, – I think he's a significant person because I call it cyberspace because he sort of dragged me kicking and screaming into the world of today, at least to some extent. You are actually very, very adept, and don't sell yourself short because – I mean, I, you and I work together on projects, and it's not just emails back and forth, but it's files and sharing and all that. And uh, for a lot of people, even my age, I'm a good deal younger than you at the moment, there is confusion, and we don't know where to turn. It's so valuable to have somebody like Greg in your life, just just for the help that he can give, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, uh, I'm lucky that I'm able to relate to younger people, and uh, and a lot of these uh, younger folks grew up with a, with a computer or a, you know, or an iPhone or whatever it was at their fingertips, and they know how to work these things incredibly, and uh, as a second nature, and to older people, it's a learning process. Right, right. So to have these people as friends, is a great thing in the terms of, uh, in terms of help, but also, Jordan, because their view of the world, the millennial view of the world is so different because I think, uh, as I think we've discussed this before, I think the millennials who pretty soon will be coming into positions of power, well, there won't be Mitch McConnell's around, there won't even be Chuck Schumer's around, there'll be millennials around, and they have a different idea about getting along with other people. They, they don't want to fight, they want to get along. And uh, they, they, re, I, they seem to realize that there are enough existential threats in the world whether it's climate or COVID or whatever, that um, it makes a lot more sense for people to get along. Well, what what would you say is the gift that you give a younger person in friendship? Because you, you're explaining what he can do for you, which is one thing, and how nice a guy he is. But let's talk about the other end. What is it in it? What's in it for the millennial to know a guy like you? Well, I don't think it's for me to say that I've become a person of wisdom just because I'm 90 years old. But I think that if a younger person believes that the older person has a, has a grip on life and has enough experience uh, to have drawn from that experience valuable hints mm. on how one might live, then I think they'll respect that older person and they'll turn to that older person for some advice. That's not to say that you don't turn to a younger person for advice as well. There is something, though, very, I'm not going to say charming, that's too trite, but there's something very warm and maybe gratifying and reassuring to have an older person, if it's not a grandpa or whatever, but an older guy or gal in your life um, as, as a, even not an official mentor, but somebody you can sort of turn to. I mean, if I were a young guy wanting to know about baseball, I would hang around you, Larry. <laughs> they, oh, they do. They do. I mean, I, there's people that write to me all the time. But to react to what you just said, I think that um, I think that I'm a very open person. I'm just not ashamed of the things that people are ashamed of. That's why I. Uh, there are some things that uh, you keep in the closet. I mean, look, we're all human beings. We're not going to tell every single thing about ourselves. But I tell most things about myself, and um, people react to that because they figure if, if he's telling me that, 
he's really being open with me and there's, he's trusting me and I'm going to trust him. Well, I told you when I became friendly with Mills Crane uh, when I came to college that he was, you know, very closed about himself, but I was very open with him and finally he became open with me. Well, I think the same thing happens with younger people that I come in contact and uh, they, uh, I am one with them because... You know, if I like somebody, I show it. Well, it, it's the art of conversation. What you and I are doing here is is two guys, slightly different generational paths, but two people having a conversation, an actual conversation. Oh, absolutely. And uh, when you engage someone, particularly a millennial or a younger person in conversation, at first, uh, in some cases, they're taken aback. What is that? I don't have a phone in front of my face to text. <laughs> but I think I think people are starved for connection and conversation. And when somebody with the breadth of experience comes along, there's a font of possibility there that you can enjoy. Well, there is because, as we've said before, I'm sort of a dilettante. I know a little about a lot of things. So that that then it's unlikely they're going to stump me. <laughs> no, no, no. Although if they were to ask you or me, you know, about the top 40 list in music today, I might have a – I might have a – you would be able to tell them the top 40 of 1870, no doubt, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, and there are names currently that are sick in my mind, but I certainly couldn't give them the top 40 or what the uh, the best-selling record out there right now is. Um, but um, I just think that, um, yeah, I think they are, uh, I think they probably are starved for connection because a lot of the world today is turning towards virtual connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and Virtual connection is not really connection. You and I right now are looking each other in the face. We're looking into each other's eyes. You can't do that. Uh, there's, a, there's some element of that in virtual connection, but not really. No, I think you make a good point in the pandemic that we're recently sort of easing off of or out of prove that more than anything when people are separated and cut off they get depressed and they miss that connection. So good for you and good for Greg. And uh, when is he marrying this young lady? Is there a I don't know. That, well, that's another thing. He's, they're unusual people. So I don't know that they want children. I don't know that they'll ever get married. But I can tell you that the relationship between them is very close uh, and that uh, her prospects for success in this world, given that he's sort of pushing the world away from him, and so is she to some extent, but she's so talented, so warm, so helpful, and becoming adept in a profession that's uh, so honored. I don't know, maybe that's the wrong word. Well, though. no, I think you're right. I think it is honored. Yeah, so, yeah. so that uh, she's going um, to outstrip him and probably in terms of wordly attainment. <laughs> but um, Sounds like a good match, though. Yeah, I think they're they a good match. You know what they did one day? This is funny. They they have their own ideas about um, eating. And they're, they're, um, I think they're both sort of – she definitely and he – yeah, they're both vegan. Is that what it is? Yes, meaning uh, not just no meat but no fish, no eggs, cheese probably. They just subsist on protein from nuts and things like that. Yeah, right. So they spent about 100 bucks and they sent over, you know, Lois said, what, what, what are they, what, why are they doing that? They sent over a whole shopping thing from uh, one of the big uh, groceries, came, you know, in huge packages, cookies and this, that, and the other thing, all vegan. 
Is that the right pronunciation? <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> and uh, so, um, uh, so a lot of the stuff, you know, not to our taste. I mean, we're carnivores still. Don't eat as much meat. We had wonderful striped bass over the weekend. I mean, yeah. I love fish, but we also had fried clams. And, I know you love those. And fried oysters. We've talked about it? that yeah. off air, your love of the fried clams and oysters. Yeah, I'm gaining too much weight. Ah, you look great. No, listen, you know what? I, I think uh, in in closing on this one, live and let live and and know that you want people to be happy and healthy and just not obviously in, intrude on anyone else. And that's the way to live a life. I mean, and I think they appreciate that about you, these younger people, because you're, you're, you're that kind of guy. Well, you know, I give myself a wide berth, uh, um, Jordan, to live my life the way uh, I want to. So why should I hinder other people? It's a good way, to, good way to get through life, good way to get up in the morning and have a decent day. Yeah, I, and I'm not one – I'd never make a minister or even a rabbi probably because I would have trouble telling people what to do. I would say you – know, I, I would actually say to myself – what the hell are you doing, Larry? I mean, for, for Christ's <laughs> sake, you don't. You, yeah, I mean, you do whatever the hell you want. What, what are you? What are you instructing people what to do? But they'll ask you advice. You want to give the best advice you can. The wit and wisdom of a modern day philosopher who uh, <laughs> now knows how to use the internet, thanks to Mr. Spires and all the other Spear. Spears, Mr. Spears, and all the other great friends out there. Well, by the way, if you look on my um, on my Wikipedia page, there's a picture of me standing in front of the bookcase in my old office, which I abandoned last October. And um, so, uh, Greg, I, I said, I think we need a picture for, if I have, a, you know, to put on a Wikipedia article or wherever. So I set the picture up. I said, well, I'll stand here and I'll put it in front of the bookcase. But he took the picture. So every time that picture is shown, it says, courtesy of Greg Spears. <laughs> Making others famous. Thank you, my friend. This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRuttman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Ruttman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life.